friends, welcome to episode 234 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I am stirring tea. Yes, you are. Because honey is on the docket for today. Long-time listeners of the show know that we never, ever, ever do a show without cups of tea in front of us. That's right. We don't talk much about the tea, but we do have the tea, so... It was a hot topic there for a second. It was. Pun intended. It was, it was. So, and uh, honestly, if uh, if you're a long-time listener and you have other tea suggestions, please come on to our Discord and give us some ideas. Yeah, sure. We'd love to hear it. Because uh, currently, right now, our, our running tea for the last year has been... Um, Harney and Sons Paris, and it has been amazing. It's my favorite tea in the world. It is a pretty grand tea. Admittedly, I am not a connoisseur of the hot leaf water, so... That's true. That is true. I've given you a couple different things, and you've liked pretty much everything I I divvy up, so... Yeah, sure, but the the Paris is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Gaming. Uh, We have a big double feature weekend coming up. Science fiction double feature. Uh, not all of it. I mean, the first part is science fiction. The first part of it's science fiction. I mean, the fiction. second part, we're technically mice running around, so you could say Secret of the Nim. <laughs> so, yeah, we got, uh, we got Sean's uh, Nova Praxis game on Saturday, and then uh, Mouse Guard on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, luckily, uh, the Mad Elf is feeling a little bit better from his little bout with COVID. He actually ended up missing my game uh, yes. the other weekend. Uh, yeah, so. sadly. Uh, said here, but you know, obviously, dude, get get your get your rest. And I'm glad to hear that you are on the mend. Yes, so, yes, I'm loving. looking forward to both games. Um, we are uh, in in the Nova Praxis game. We are uh, kind of, I think we're hitting the stride point. We're doing a little bit of respecking. I think a few of the characters. Yeah. Um. So we're we're at that like it's a campaign. It's a campaign. <laughs> is, is this episode three or is this episode four? I think this is episode four. I think this is episode four. Oh yes. wow! It's yep. it's official. It's official. It's official. official. So right. got to keep rolling now. And Mouse Guard, we're well into it. Oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, we're in, we're I think this is going to be our our uh, like beer and popcorn chill game. For this one, I know he wants to get back to it, but at the same time, I think I think there's gonna it's gonna be a little bit of a relaxed game. Well, yeah, he edited the Google invite to like mm-hmm. chop the time down on it, yeah, because I... he just knows he doesn't have the the energy for he, it post COVID, yeah, so it's yeah, no, no harm there. Absolutely no understood. In Mouse God's always relaxing. Oh, it's a good super, time. Super nice time. It's a good time. So, uh, all right, that's that. That is the new news. That's the new news. I think uh, that's it. I think that's about it, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we got a bunch of new people in the Discord. We are so glad to have you all. We've been seeing a ton of new discussions popping up. So if you're out there and you've been questioning whether or not to join, please join. It's... Yeah, we'd love to have new uh, new blood in the Discord and uh, just join the discussion. Just to tell us what you're doing. You know, ask us some questions. Ask the other great people if there's some questions. Yeah, and, and if, if you uh, – it's one of the best things is people are talking about previous shows. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a lot of nice discussions about people listening to old shows and asking questions from those shows, which prompts us to some ideas for the future, which is great. Yeah. Um, and we, we I love seeing people talking about the current topic, like today's topic, and, and kind of priming the pump a little bit, which yeah. is wonderful here. So Hey, actually, real quick before we, before we get started, actually, there was something I kind of wanted to, to talk about a little bit. It was sure. a, a discussion I saw on Reddit. Okay. Uh, somebody was asking, uh, what is your preferred term for the person who runs the game? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And I saw so many people up there going like, I hate the term storyteller. Good. They can hate it all they right? want. I'm like... They can hate it all they know, want. Die, die mad about it, but you know... <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a strange hill to die on. But, but I guess I guess a lot of people out there read read into it that like if you call yourself a storyteller, that means that like you're telling the story and everybody else just has to shut up and listen to you. And I'm like... I think you're reading an awful lot into the well into the I, term, you know. Let let's start from the basics. I'm the dungeon master, right? Okay. How that, is how is that any less domineering I'm the than game storyteller master? Yeah. Okay. And neither of those are really great. To, you are not the master because, like, now you're taking agency away right. from the players, right? You know. So realistically, it's about talking about what your forte is. If you're the yeah. combat master, okay, go right ahead. That, that's your game. And, you know? like, and like do none of you guys show up with plot? Like, do none of you guys, like, write anything for your for your game? Do you Except, not voice NPCs? Do you not direct the PCs in well, a certain direction? I'm also just going to say, how many of the PCs show up with plot? Yeah, yeah, next to none. Yeah, so, or, or ideas. They're waiting right. to be spoon-fed something so that they can enjoy it and talk about it. Exactly. So, yes, I'm telling you guys a story. Yes. You get to participate in that story, and that's wonderful. But, yes... Yes, I I don't feel bad about being a storyteller. No, no. 
So. Um, all right. Got that off my chest. I'm glad. I'm glad. Let's uh, dive into the discussion. Yeah. yeah. So today's topic combat uh, is is we're we're back to kind of talking about narrative and combat, but we're now taking it from the other direction. Right. We well, did. Uh, we did. Do you need? Do you actually need combat? And how many ways can you circumvent actually getting into combat? And mm-hmm. now we're like. Yeah, no, let's kill people. No, pe- people want to go and be murder hobos or, or just want to have conflict. Yeah, sure. You know, which is fine. That That's the thing. Like, why not? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's the bread and butter of where these games came from. But I think, I think uh, like, uh, germane to the discussion about, uh, you know, people on our Discord, we have a relatively new Discord member named GM Ben, uh, who actually posted, I think, the, probably the thesis statement for this. I agree. I completely on, agree. On our Discord. And he says, uh, I really do dislike how a lot of systems and people seem to treat combat as a separate mini game rather than the rest of the game world. As soon as initiative, or the system equivalent, Everyone switches into a no RP zone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and so, like, why? Why is that, you know? Mm-hmm. Why is it important? Why can't you just, you know, why do you want to kill the guards? Why do you feel the king needs to die? Why are you fighting orphans again? And my first question is, again? Again? <laughs> again? <laughs> like, we need to talk, GM Ben, about why it's again. Right, like, you know. at some point, that needs to be a discussion, but not today. <laughs> those are those are all questions of why this you know this combat fits in the narrative, but for some reason, we stop RPing when mm-hmm. this happens. Yeah. Or, when or, or at least we, 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 we give RP only lip service a lot or of times. Or literally, it feels like it's a different game being inserted. Like, the mechanics of something else just got slapped in. Yeah. It's To me, it is the break between I'm talking about... Mech warrior and my character, and sitting down and playing BattleTech. Yep, like it's a it's a completely separate game. You're not like yeah, you're flavoring up how things are going, but it's 100% feeling different. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, personally, and I know Overwatch would feel the same way about going to Gen Con. We narrated the hell out of our BattleTech. Oh sure, game, sure, and it was fun. Nobody else at the other table seemed to have been doing that, mm-hmm. but it's fun. And I I think that's kind of what I'm what where we're coming from with this is is that narration and combat can go together. Oh sure, that absolutely. is definitely something that happens, and often at our tables it does. Oh yeah. So yeah. for us it's it was again it's the typical of like we're talking about the thing that doesn't happen for us but definitely occurs everywhere else. But you keep <laughs> keeping in mind though that uh, once again you and I sit kind of in a position of privilege with our gaming group because it's a very curated gaming group of old friends that who've gamed for years, who've gamed for years, and I, stuff well, like that. so decades. We all we all kind of know that because but but you know there's a lot of people who don't have these sort of curated curated gaming groups or they're just getting started and they haven't you know they don't have 30 years of experience gaming like you and or even like five years or two years with the same group sure so you end up with non-narrated actions even like you you know the guy you know you see four goblins in the room and one rushes up to you and literally someone sitting there at the table just goes i attack 17 to hit and you're like you attack, okay. you attack with what? Yeah, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? You know? Right. Like, there's no narration at all from the player's mm-hmm. side. Now, is that a fault of them? Because they're thinking about it visually in their own mind, but what it is is it's literally just a, something that pours out of them yeah, in sure. an instant reaction. It's, it's enthusiasm is what it is. Correct. I know? 100% agree. In, in in their mind's eye, a lot of times, they're, they are already envisioning of like, oh, you know, I lash out and I hit this part. But it happens that quick in their imagination. Mm-hmm. So they just want to get to the to the part where they do the damage, you know. Yeah. And they forget that, like, you know, maybe you should describe, like, okay, well, I lash out with my longsword and try to, like, clothesline him as he runs past me, you know, and just take his head off or whatever. Yeah. Um, And I, I think I, I want to I wanna just break from the conversation real quick and just mm-hmm. say that. This isn't a problem. No, not in the least. It's it like this. This isn't like a like you know. Oh, your your table's bad and your players are bad if you're if 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 you're not narrating things. You know, this is just this is a constructive conversation about how to add a little extra flavor. Or if you're just uncomfortable with that, yeah. what you can do to adjust your you and your players, because not all your players are going to narrate the situation, resolve actions, and narrate the results. Right. That that isn't going to happen every single time. 
right? You're not going to have the person be like, all right, I'm going to clothesline him and uh, use, I'm going to use this action to do it. So, uh, all right, we'll make a roll. Mm-hmm. You make her, uh, okay, it was successful. Oh yeah. You easily clip him off of his feet and he's laying prone on his back. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you look at your initiative list and you're like, all right, Susan, you're next. Like you could change that. And there are some ideas for doing that instead of just asking, okay, who's next in the initiative order, knowing who's there and narrating to that person like, oh, okay, he's fallen onto his back. You know, Susan, uh, he's lying prone on his back with a shield off to the side. You've got an opportunity here. Yeah. And like that changes it from the mechanics of who is next in initiative and waiting for the call and waiting for the action. You're keeping them in the moment of the narration. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and drawing it in. And, you know, and here I am using player names and not character names, but that's another aspect of well, it that sure. we talked about. Um, but the idea and and of that style is um, was actually uh, discussed on the Angry GM, if you follow that, uh, as combat dolphin. You, you do combat like a dolphin, and that is, is you come into narration and then back into mechanics and back into narration. Like a dolphin moving through the water. Jumping up across the water. So you take yeah. that breath because you need that air to get through the tough stuff, yeah, to get back yeah. into it. So that way, you're always taking a little bit of narration as you move through the mechanical bites. And and I think, to, to, to kind of piggyback off that too, I, I would say... I've I've seen it a lot at my table where if you, if you as the storyteller can take the lead on the narration, mm-hmm. you know, even if your players aren't narrating, yeah, ask first off, ask them to narrate. Mm-hmm. They probably have a cool idea. Like a lot of times when I say, "What does that look like mm-hmm. when you when you land that hit?" Um, or you know, is is more common parlance in the uh, I guess in the D and D community is, "How do you want to do this?" Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you don't have to wait for a killing blow to ask them how they want to do it. If they do something, you know, something good, just land a solid hit. Ask them. Yeah. Ask them what it looked like, you know? Yep. Um, they're going to give you some cool ideas because they, they see their characters a lot clearer in their mind's mm-hmm. eye than you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to love the opportunity to tell you how awesome their character is. Yeah. Um, but secondly, though, if you engage them on a narrative sense, um, for those of you storytellers who like to allow for rule of cool in your combat... Mm-hmm. You're you're gonna find a lot more opportunities to, to to open up things like that. You know, when you say like, okay, well, you kind of clothesline him and he you know he falls prone. You're gonna see someone follow up with, oh, he's prone. Hold on, let me, you know, as he clotheslines him like this, I'm gonna sweep in and I'm gonna do this other thing because he's because he's on his back. And you're gonna want people doing like combo attacks, you know, yeah. like like you're like it's Chrono Trigger. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and. That that's what opens the door for a lot of that stuff. And if you're willing to allow for a little rule of cool, you know, you're gonna you're gonna see some neat stuff happen. Well, and table. likewise, there's nothing to say that during a failure, you know, your players may start getting into those as well. Like, oh, I miss this attack, you know, so I end up swinging wildly, and my sword, you know, my sword hits a tree. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the goblin sees this and catches your shoulder right after it hits, uh, and you it knocks you free of your weapon, which is still stuck in the tree. Yep. Okay. They led you into that moment. Yeah, sure. The other thing about the narration and doing this is it gives you the flexibility to adjust the ratio of combat. You can do one thing in this that that adds uh, an extra piece of flavor, and that is telegraphing. Mm-hmm. So, and that scales combat right there. People always talk about like, oh, well, you know, you can't telegraph because that makes things too easy. So don't then all the time. But if you feel you need to, because it's changing the way the, the combat's going, mm-hmm. things aren't as fun, you know, telegraph it. Why not? Let them see what's coming at them. They're physically there. Sure. They're not idiots. Some of them are trained fighters, mm-hmm. you know, in some cases. So by doing that, that gives them a little more to visualize and a little more to work out what they're doing next. Yeah. Yeah, and also keep in mind your job is not to kill your players. Your job is to facilitate a fun time for your players. God, I hope you're not killing your players. <laughs> oh yeah, it's characters, right? Hey, let's stick with those characters. You probably also should not kill your kill your players. Yes. That's that's pro. When we say pro clear your darlings. Your your players are not your darlings. <laughs> so just... Pro pro advice, guys. Um, all right, all right. So here's my thesis statement. Combat is a scene. What do you mean by that, sir? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Uh, so, yeah, combat, I, I, I really think, like, combat needs to be treated like any other scene. I know there's there's a uh, an impulse to kind of separate it of, like, oh, we put combat between scenes. 
to you know kind of change the pace up but combat is a scene right combat is a thing that should advance your story just like any other challenge it should feel meaningful exactly um so a not entirely exhaustive list but a decent one i think mm-hmm. of things that you should think of when making a combat encounter when inserting one into your story um and again this isn't a checklist you shouldn't write this down and just things to bear in mind write right it, write it down well okay what i'm saying is this isn't like a oh i didn't do a b c d and e therefore my combat encounter is bad it sucks but it's just don't don't be a negative nancy <laughs> I'm, all I can think of is, is uh, was it, you suck at Photoshop? It's like, you suck at combat encounters. <laughs> you suck at cooking, yes, you totally suck. So, uh, but I'm with you, and right. I think this list so, is good. I think this check, list is good. Checklist of things to keep in mind. And again, it's not exhaustive. If you don't do all of these things, it doesn't mean your combat encounter is bad. It's just it's just a good, good, good practices. All okay. right. First off, it should tell a story. I agree. All right. So what was learned from your combat? Mm-hmm. We don't often think about that. No. What are we learning from combat? Well, we're learning to get our butts kicked. Well, okay, maybe. But, and again, it doesn't necessarily need to be a huge revelation. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Sean and I were talking on our way over here about, mm-hmm. like, we're big Rurouni Kenshin fans, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, oftentimes, like, in a lot of animes, like, if you watch, like, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, you know, what did you <laughs> learn in combat? Oh, he used the ancient secret, you know, Saotome technique, and, you know, that means he's got the same master that my grandfather did. <gasps> he's actually part of our clan! Right. The whole time. Yep. Like, it doesn't need to be that. That's not the level of learning I'm talking. But things you might learn during a combat encounter is, like, oh... The enemy is willing to use lethal force. Mm-hmm. They tried to kill us. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a big deal, depending on how the lethality in your game is played out. You know, yeah. um, the enemy really, really wants this target dead. Are you protecting somebody? Did they send master assassins after him? Yeah, you learned something. Mm-hmm. What they're willing to do to try to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, the villain has gotten personally involved. You've been noticed. You've been noticed, exactly. That's, I always love they, that concept, is that villains shouldn't notice the players, or the characters, until it's meaningful. Yes, exactly. So. Uh, or even just something like, hey, the bad guys have necromancers in their ranks. Mm-hmm. We fought a bunch of skeletons. We didn't know they had that ability. Yep. You yep. know? And part of this is is not just on the players discovering this from your your cryptic combat at the end. Some of this is you as a storyteller telegraphing it to them. Yeah, sure. I mean, literally just the just the presence. Like I said, like assassins show up to kill the the guy you're protecting. Okay, that tells you something about mm-hmm. the people who are trying to kill him. Likewise, they if... have access to multiple trained assassins. Yeah, but at the same time, how 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 fervent are they? Mm-hmm. Like Sean's Nova Praxis game, we actually had like rumpties and you know uh, basically cultists in the yeah. same group. Yeah, and that was a valuable lesson we learned there. Yeah, that some of the guys were like, hey, 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 I, I'm not here. I'm here for a paycheck. I'm not here to die for the cause. I don't even know what the cause is. And we thought, oh, these are just some guys until somebody pulled out like a, what what, are the, what is that thing called? A murder ball? It's called a murder ball. Basically, it's a it's a ridiculous fragmentation explosive grenade. Yeah, so it's, it's a big, big grenade. And tried to nuke not only us, but him with him. Mm-hmm. You know? Did uh, not work out. Did not work out for them. And, uh, yeah, so we were like, oh, okay, fanatics willing to kill themselves and basically suicide attacks to try to yeah. take us out. These two people are not the same. We have different factions working here, you know? So, and another example for storytelling is, and specifically in my last game, my last uh, D&D game, mm-hmm. I did that adventure where you guys had to end up uh, helping that call, that death cult group. Yeah. And I had to tell a story with each one of the combats of what you were finding through that whole discovery process. Um, so each one of the combats you were all in, you were each involved with gave you another piece of the puzzle of all the parties that were involved. Who was, you know, who are these cultists because you didn't even know they existed until you found out who sacked a caravan originally mm-hmm. and then what's this other group that's here and why are they even around? Oh, right. it's because the world's messed up. Mm-hmm. So now we've got a third party who's just 
trying to, to mess with the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So each one of those was a step of discovering a section of the story that eventually led to a, okay, we're going to have to protect these people to get what we need done. Right, right. So. All right. So the second part of this is, and it's kind of kind of goes along with what you were just talking about, mm -hmm. is that the encounter should, the, the battle should make narrative sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. We all love our random encounter charts. Sure. But I think, those belong a little more in OSR games than they do in in more narrative games. It's not not really the focus of what of what we focus on here at the at Storyteller Conclave. So, uh, yeah, we want your narrative your 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 fights to make sense mm -hmm. uh, narratively. Okay, so things to consider when trying to wrap a, a combat encounter into your narrative: what provoked the attack? Mm -hmm. Do the PCs know? Yeah, I mean, are they just being attacked at random? Is part of the attack telling the PCs why they're being attacked. Yeah. Like, a mob boss sending his goons to yeah. send a message. Love those. This is because you crossed Don Corleone. Oh, so no, Don Corleone is here. He knows that we're here. And he's upset with he's us up, enough to send his spaghetti. goons. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, what is the goal of the attackers? Yeah, or the attack in general. I mean, so often it's just reduce the other, the other party's hit points to zero, right? But that's not always a perfect goal it's not always a perfect goal it's not always a a narrative narratively appropriate thing like yeah. you don't always have to fight to the death in your games you know um you could kill sure but you can also capture mm -hmm. you can injure mm -hmm. you can intimidate yeah i mean some of the some of the most well-known um, examples of situations is that you do something because you want to be in control over another person, and you do that by instilling fear or or literally weakening them mm -hmm. to be able to have that control. And by killing someone, you create a martyr, which is far more dangerous, by far. Sure. Because now somebody has nothing else to live for, and you've caused a problem. Or at very least, you've got a body to clean up. Which is far worse in most cases. Killing is a far higher, far far higher profile crime than maiming somebody, or or you know, or just just just, just injuring them. Like it's yeah. assault, right? Yep. yep. You beat somebody off, they go away with a beat somebody, beat somebody up, they go away with a bloody nose, right? And they're uh, you know, and maybe they don't even go to the cops about it because right. it's just a you know a disagreement between gentlemen or whatever. Yeah. And intimidating. You, you kill somebody yeah. though. Yeah. Okay, you've just raised the stakes. Uh, what I was going to say with intimidation is is it's actually worse in most cases because you're changing their ability to even see themselves. Like when you intimidate somebody, what are they going to do? Go to someone else and say you were, you know, this guy's really intimidating. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, who are you to ask that of me? Right, but intimidation when you when you run a short combat encounter just long enough to drop them from you know fifty hit points to ten in one right. hit. Yep, and then you just use your next round to go. And stay down. Yeah. And then just walk off. Mm -hmm. That's intimidation. Yeah. You can absolutely do that. You don't have to have your dudes come in and kill kill the PCs, nor fight to themselves, yeah. fight to the deaths themselves. Sometimes they come in, drop somebody to prove a point, and then they walk off. And not everyone say, is the Karate Kid. Remember, <laughs> we can do this at any given time. Right. Exactly. Um, is it an assassination? That's another like another like type of attack here. Not the target isn't always the PCs. Mm -mm. Maybe it is one of the PCs. Yeah. Maybe it's an NPC that they're hanging around with or protecting outright. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe they just need to defend somebody. Yeah, or even uh, a thievery in that sense too that becomes the same way. Yep. Um, or another one is uh, is it a guerrilla strike? Because. Mm. So guerrilla tactics are often hit and run to try to diminish resources. Mm -hmm. Your goal isn't to win a battle. Your goal is just to make the enemy expend ammunition, maybe sabotage their supply runs, mm -hmm. things like that. And then you fade. Mm -hmm. Like you're not putting your lives on the line. You're not necessarily trying to create casualties or anything like that. But you're trying to diminish the enemy's resources and stuff. Yeah, resources are also strength. So like... One of the one of some of the early girl tactics weren't even to cause a lot of damage. It was just to keep people awake. Mm -hmm. It was to uh, to demoralize the people around them, the support staff, mm -hmm. so that they didn't feel safe and they didn't feel secure with the people that were defending them. Yeah, like all of that is is war tactics one hundred and one. Yeah, I can I can imagine like you know trying to. Get a D and D group through like thick woods where like the wood elves are, you yeah. know, and they're like they don't like trespassers in their uh, 
uh, in their sacred woods. So mm-hmm. hitting the the PCs with little hit and run tactics, not really to try to kill them, but you know you burned four fifth level spells trying to fight back against them. So yep. that's something you don't have anymore. They're like, oh, we got to take a long rest here. Where there's a bunch of wood elf ambushers? No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. In this economy, I don't think so, Susan. Um, all right. Are the attackers willing to die for the cause? Most shouldn't be. Most shouldn't be. Nobody wants to. I mean, you're no longer helping the cause by death. That's my favorite thing. Is that a good commander will always look at his troops and say, "You don't help me, dead." So you do zero damage when you're dead. <laughs> I believe it was General Patton who said, "No man ever won a war by dying for their country. He made he won war by making the other sorry bastard die for his." Yep. Yep. And it's the truth of of most groups. Period. Mm-hmm. They're willing to defend. They're willing to take care of the problem, but they are not willing to sacrifice themselves. Exactly. Um. And and most people won't want their henchmen to sacrifice themselves. Henchmen aren't limitless. No. People are finite. <laughs> I, I can't remember what the monarch said in uh, Venture Brothers, mm-hmm. but he was just like, do you think it's easy to hire these people? It's like a 45-day period. I've got to go through background checks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and he goes through this whole thing yeah. about it. It was awesome. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, so, so think about, like, at what point are your attackers going to retreat? Yeah. Um, have they thought of an escape route so they don't just get captured or subdued, you know? If you're, if, if this is genuinely a thought-out planned attack on your, on your attacker's part, right? Mm-hmm. They may well have, like, a getaway car. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least, a, you know, a, a, a tunnels, smoke bombs, something to help them. Doors that have been propped open, mm-hmm. you know, so that they can get out and possibly close them behind you so that you can't follow. Right? Yep. Things to things to consider. Um, <laughs> Extra resources in case things go sideways. Actually, Knox has a question here in the live chat. He says, is there a subtle way to signal to your players that you're not going to let them rest anytime soon? What's the save point right before the big door? Do we even telegraph this? Oh, that's a that's a longer. That's a yeah. That's a well. It's a really good question. Um, I would say it really depends. I mean, if you are gearing up for something like that, telegraphing, <laughs> telegraphing the scope of the endeavor that they're about to go on mm-hmm. and the challenges they're in, I think is is you telegraphing it. Mm-hmm. You know, having an NPC say like saying, "All right." We figured out what we're all going to do. Let's go over the plan one more time. We're going in, you know, we're going to go in the morning. We're going to make it through here. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And then we're finally going to get to the the last chamber and we're doing this. So it sounds like it's all in one action, Mm -hmm. that there's no time to pause in this. So I think those are the kinds of telegraphs that you want to put in as a storyteller to let them know, hey, clearly this is one long endeavor. Yeah. So... Uh, the the way I would do it, especially especially if we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. like a really typical Dungeons and Dragons trope is going on watch at night, mm-hmm. right? Who's going to take first watch? Who's going to take second watch? Why do we do this? Because inherently we expect the storyteller to attack us when we when bed down for the night, right? Yeah. Let's attack them. Yeah. Make make that watch for something. If they go to bed in a place that they cannot rest. Who's on watch? Cool. Roll initiative. Yeah. And and honestly, my my whole thing is doing the difference of when they're out on the road or something, you let them know it's safe. Mm-hmm. This is a safe area. There are guards. You've done this multiple times who travel the road. You feel very safe. You probably only ever have one person on watch and they're being very casual about it. Yeah. I don't. I don't it's just to keep anything... the fire gone versus this is a dangerous area. Mm-hmm. You're very aware of that. You may want to have two people on watch. Yeah. Yeah. And you know this. I mean, I you're trained. <laughs> I don't think there's any problem with, with telling the player. You don't even need to, like, telegraph it or hint at it or dance around. Just outright tell them, yeah, you guys are safe here. Why? Because, like, man, I don't know about you, but, like, I don't have that time to waste to catering to your guys' paranoia just so that you never know when danger is going to happen. No, sometimes you're pretty clear that danger isn't going to happen here. I go shopping at the grocery store. I'm pretty certain I'm not going to get jumped in aisle three, mm-hmm. you know, while searching for Cool Whip. 
Unless it's like unless you're playing Call of Cthulhu, which could very much change that. Which but which could very could very much your change paranoia it, sure. pays off. <laughs> but but for, for for the most part though, like yeah. I don't need to put someone on watch while I'm shopping for my groceries. No, you know, definitely not because it's a safe area. It's a safe activity, and so yeah, yeah if they if they're if they're just camping for the evening, just tell them you guys are good. Yeah, don't bother with the whole watch thing. Let's just get your long rest. Push your long rest button. You know. Also. Don't even need to do it. It's the next morning. You it, all are well rested. Boom! It's the next morning. Good. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Just skip past it. Move mm-hmm. on to the next thing. It's taken you two days to travel there. You had a nice rest in between. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Whatever. Move to the action. Uh, all right. So back to the list here. Uh, did the attackers do anything to prepare the battlefield beforehand? Oh yeah. Um. So often we just kind of throw our enemies in on like a flat board. Uh, you know, with a little grid, mm-hmm. you know, we just smash some mini- minis together and we roll our attacks and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, if your enemies think about it and they, they, they're laying an ambush or at least that they prepare for, you know, for mm-hmm. this ahead of time, they may have set traps. Um, maybe if they're like good guys, you mm-hmm. know, if they're at least respectful of people around them, they may have cleared the area of civilians. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we don't want any errant casualties. And imagine the, the tension of, like, the enemies walking in and, like, all the civilians kind of, like, doing that, that, that thing western. like they do in the Western where, like, they close the... The door shut. The Kids doors. are swept off the street. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so it's, like, all, all of a sudden, like, within 30 seconds, you're the only people on the street. Yeah, and all the windows are closed and all the doors yep. are locked and there's a few people peeping out little shutters and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Did they position snipers in high positions? Yeah. I mean, because that's just good tactics, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You Going back to the Western, you know, you always see the person with the long rifle up on top of the saloon, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, one of the things that I was reading about this in specific was having spotters. Oh, yeah? Just calling out. Mm-hmm. Like, have somebody on the battlefield. Like, if, you, if you've got a bunch of goblins all shooting arrows from the back line, right, and you've got a couple in the front uh, that are that are running in, there's nothing to say that you couldn't have another goblin off to the side who literally through the entire combat is just moving around and shouting things back. Sure. That makes sense. Like that means they're prepared. They're they're ta- they're communicating and doing and combating you in a smart manner. Yeah, man, use some ta- if if your enemies are intelligent enough to do it, use tactics. Use tactics. Um you don't always have to just run up and die, you know, with F- your enemies. Fall back, heal. Uh, are the exits covered in case the PCs try to escape? Oh, yeah, there's one. Yeah. Or do they have an escape route that they want you to go down? Are they funneling are you, you? Are you being flushed out? Yeah. Are you being funneled? Yeah. Yep. That's that's another good one. Mm-hmm. Into an ambush point. Yeah, or, or just a holding area. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, all right. So those are some, like, tactical concerns. But kind of still along that narrative line of, like, make, making things sense in your narrative... Do they do the attackers actually fit within the verisimilitude of your story? Mm-hmm. First off, are they ecologically sound? Mm-hmm. By this, I mean, if you're opening a tomb that hasn't been opened for a thousand years, why is there a tribe of goblins inside that are alive and well? Is there a hole in back? Are there tunnels to somewhere else inside that they could have come into the area? I mean, maybe, but more likely, if it's been sealed for a thousand years... You should maybe stock it with some undead, maybe some constructs, an ooze, ghosts, <laughs> things that would have been able to survive a thousand years in a sealed environment, yep. you know, um, or not in the case of undead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and does it make a sense that the attackers are here now doing what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did they know about the PC's plans enough to target their attack? Um, could they possibly be prepared for the PC's? Mm-hmm. You know? Think about what your attackers might know and what they might have accounted for in, in, in their attack. You know, if this is kind of, again, to, to, um, to, to address the, the issue of like, uh, random encounter charts, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times, okay, we'll put humanoid characters on our random encounter charts and stuff like that, but like. If they don't know that the PCs are going to be on that road, like, mm-hmm. how are they setting up an ambush? You right, know? right. 
they should feel just as surprised. So just make sure that the attack actually should happen within your within your story. Okay. And that wraps up making the narrative make sense. Yes. All right. There should be a goal. And this this G goal is between both you and the players. Yes. In this sense. They should know why they're going into this combat. Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Yeah. What are the stakes at hand for fighting? Sometimes this is referred to as the mission stat block. Yes. So that you can, sometimes you'll check boxes as they complete things. Sometimes it's just completing tasks Then it. You see it in um, uh, PC RPGs Mm -hmm. all the time where there's a quest log that you have to complete certain things. The combats are the same type of way. You know, will the PCs gain something by winning this fight. Is that what they're trying? They're trying to get to something on the other side to retrieve it. Or they're trying, you know, maybe they're chasing someone down. Whatever that thing's. What do they stand to lose if they lose the fight? Yeah. You know? Um, are there partial conditions um, where maybe you defeat the enemy, but whatever the MacGuffin is uh, either gets away you know, or or is is broken or damaged in the in the process, or you lose it, yeah, or a protected NPC was killed. Yep, yep. Like, Collateral damage is always cool. Be a we thing. killed all the assassins, but they hit the target. Yeah, you know, like uh, one of the one one of the good examples is like you're going to fight a bunch of undead, but one of those undead is someone you know. Mm. Okay, so it's like, ooh, do we want to wipe all these guys out? Because but we but we really need that guy. We want to try and save him. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do how do we want to do that? Uh, so you now you got a potion of weakness and then feed him a golden apple, I believe. If it's Minecraft. Yes. Yeah. Uh but in the same regard, like now you have to make that decision during combat of how you're going to handle that and that's narrative. That's story right there. Mhm. Um if they end up doing more or maybe they just, you know, subdue everybody. So now there's more to to be gained from it possibly. Yep. So it doesn't have to be explicitly spelled out, but you as the story should teller should understand what the goal is and the player should be able to retrieve that through going into it. Right. And and I think like, you know, when when you're when you're kind of jotting down your notes for for planning your sessions and stuff like that, like it's this, this is a really great place to kind of put a branching if then statement mm-hmm. in your notes, you know, of like, okay, if they defeat the enemies, this is the outcome. But if they defeat the enemies and lose the MacGuffin, this is the outcome. You right. Know, you've kind of got some really distinct outcomes there is when you when you identify what stakes there are going into the battle. Yeah. And some of those stakes don't have to be directly involved with the combatants. Mm-hmm. They can be the space that they're fighting in even. Like, may, like good examples are like, you're on a sinking ship. You're below decks. You're all trying to get out with the thing. So the stake is survive. That's stake number one, right? Everyone is just trying to survive. Yeah, sure. Are you trying to rescue some of these people who are fighting you on this ship while trying to keep the MacGuffin? Like, all of those come into play. But the real truth is water is rising. Mm -hmm. Every round, you take a level off of the game board. Yeah, yeah. and, And that level is now underwater. Right. And anybody who's in it has to make athletics checks or whatever necessary to survive. Mm -hmm. And once they're under two levels of water, they're at like a negative four to their athletics checks. Right. Because they're they're trying to find pockets of air until they can get out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, so every time things are getting more and more challenging. That's that's kind of a good hard move that you can do as a storyteller to watch the tension and build that kind of pieces and have that stake be very obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned hard moves too, because there's, there's definitely some things to be said about, uh, about using those during a combat scene. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my, one of my favorite things um, is uh, first off, I'm a big proponent of hard moves. Um, I know a lot of people out there think that it's the, like takes away player agency, but I dare say not everything has to be um, within the player's purview to be able to intercede, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, there definitely is stuff. Like, nobody on the Titanic was like, we took away my agency when we hit that when we hit that iceberg, you know? No, because sometimes crap just happens, mm-hmm. you know? Um, a good hard move in the middle of a combat encounter can do cool things to change the situation, mm-hmm. you know? Like, 
I'm imagining a combat encounter where, like, you're in a shootout in the lobby of an office building, right? Mm-hmm. With some opposing force. Sure. And something like a helicopter crashes into the building, mm-hmm. changes the battlefield, mm-hmm. adds an environmental aspect to it of, like, shrapnel and fire. Maybe even the, the carcass of the helicopter hanging in a space precariously. Maybe maybe things are now falling down. Like, if I'm running this in Savage Worlds, anybody who draws a club... Mm-hmm. Is I've got a I've got a I've got a chart of like mishaps. Debris, yeah. Yeah, like maybe a piece of debris falls on you if it's like a low club, or like if it's a high club, then that means like you take some fire damage or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, a lot of different game systems have ways of incorporating like, I guess this would be like layer actions or consequences, um, from, from Dungeons and Dragons in there, or consequences, or like, complications, complications in Seventh uh, C. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. kind of a thing where you've where like. If you have one of these, you kind of have a, you have to make enough successes to overcome the complications mm-hmm. as well. And and maybe maybe it changes the combat from like we need to shoot the dudes who were here in the lobby to like we should evacuate the building. It's now on fire and slowly collapsing. Right. Drag you know? drag who you can out. Right. And let's escape because mm-hmm. screw the firefight. We're gonna get you know this building's collapsing. Yeah. We need to get out of here, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a good it's a good thing to signal not only that the world is dynamic enough that big events like this can happen to change your battlefield, mm-hmm. um, but also it's more fun for the players when things change. They now have to think on their feet, yeah, about how they're going to react to these new circumstances. There's a uh, I think it's in uh, the King's Men, which was the uh, the precursor to Kingsmen. Uh, oh, okay, where they're coming across like five of them are coming across a uh, a World War One battlefield, mm-hmm. slowly creeping with their rifles. And at a certain point, they all stop and stare because they see that there's five shadows in front of them. now. They're all they're in dead man's land, basically in between the trenches in the dead of night. Uh, no, where, man, no man's, no man's land, land yeah. where artillery has been shelling. And so the other group literally looks at them and just puts their finger to the lip and everybody puts their rifles down because they realize if they open fire, both trenches are going to lay them out. Mm-hmm. So they put their rifles down, everybody pulls out melee weapons, and they have the most quiet fight they can possibly have. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's it was, it was, seeing that scene made me think about the hard move of you can't use firearms because you know you're, you're going to get mowed down to machine guns of your own side. Yep. Like they, don't, sh- they don't know at that range. They have no idea, and n- nobody should be out there. Gunfire in no man's land. Kill it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's why they call it no, no man's, man's land. land. Right. Because exactly. no man should be out there. Exactly. So things like that can can definitely change the dynamics of the game. Uh, in comedy of that, uh, in Storks, the movie, which is mm-hmm. way better than it has the right to be. Right. Uh, yeah. There's a scene where literally the penguins are on the roof getting ready to leave in a helicopter, and... Uh, like like the, you do. And there's a baby involved, and they don't want to wake the baby. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to wake the baby. And so they have this terribly quiet fight where, like, people are getting stabbed, and they're, like, shoving pillows in mouths and trying to keep people silent so the baby doesn't wake up. And it's it's those kinds of moments that set a a, a hard conditional barrier, you know, that makes the tension change. And I think that's also kind of leads into my next thing which is talks about the pacing of a fight yeah yeah is that stories have timelines they have points of tension points of revelation points of setback highs and lows so that you feel the beginning the middle and the end combats can do the same way Mm -hmm. is that you can have opening combats, and in, in speaking to Knox's kind of question in a way of not giving someone rest and moving through something, a combat doesn't just have to be one little encounter. It can be a series of events that escalate and then de-escalate, yeah. depending on how things progress. And so adding those tension points in of like, okay, you're now in a room that's full of traps because you were chased out of the other room into it, and you know this room is full of traps. You can't recall where all of them are. You know, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. It's like, okay, so we're dancing around a room doing combat. Yeah, and <laughs> like, you can you can do a scene transition like that in mm-hmm. the middle of combat, too. Like, I'm thinking, like, Dungeons & Dragons, and I think a lot of us think that once you're in 
tactical combat. Once you're in initiative, yep. you have to stay in initiative. And I see so many discussions online about like, well, how do chases even work? Because they have the exact same movement speed you do and blah, 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 you know? And it's like, well, no, you don't like, you don't have to tell your story like that. Like Mm-mm. the the rules of turn-based combat don't have to dictate the pace of your combat. No. If you want them to be able to flee into the next room and then take the battle there, you can just be like, you guys flee into the next room. Now here's the new map. Now everybody roll a fresh initiative. Now the fight's here. Yep. You know? Yeah. As more dudes come pouring in, more space ninjas or whatever, you know? Right, right. And then, okay, you, you beat all those guys, and you flee into the next hallway, and you turn the corner, and here's this big ballroom, and new map. Like, new initiative, cool, right. but it's still kind of the same combat encounter. You're still moving through it. And um, I was just, I was thinking about this. Oh, speaking of pacing, um, one of the things that uh, that was discussed was the idea of having a moment of speech oh, in yeah, your yeah, combat, yeah, yeah. where... Yeah, you have the, you know, depending on the mechanics, sometimes, you know, free speech is an action is, is just something that happens. Mm-hmm. Not everybody takes the time to do that. But if you as a storyteller can set in the order where it belongs, whether it's, you know, players interact, you know, uh, and then the NPCs go and then everyone gets a speech action if they want it mm-hmm. before the next encounter. That way you can have little quips and monologues and uh, we need to do this and, 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 you know, let's get them here. Let's get the heck out of here. Decisions can be made. A narration, a narrative can be discussed and interwoven between not just the PCs, but also the NPCs. The NPCs. That's you can, the big thing. you know, without your players going, okay, I, I sneak attack him while he's monologuing. No, you're not. This is the talky phase. Right. <laughs> I, I'm not allowed to sneak attack you while you were monologuing. Therefore, right. no, right. he gets to say. <laughs> right. And and now we're back into the, you know, the whatever the phase of combat that we're in. Yes. But, in, but pre-setting that as a thing in your game so that your players are comfortable with it and know when it's going to happen changes that dynamic and allows you to have that breath. And also, like, explicitly saying that speech is a, there, there's, is part of combat. Yeah explicitly puts it on the table Mm -hmm. that you want speech in combat. Mm -hmm. We're not just here to roll dice and reduce hit points. Like, this is a scene. Please talk. You should be shouting directions or making quips or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, or or questioning things, you know, having dialogue back and forth with the villain as he's there. I I always go back to the fight scene with uh, Inigo Montoya. Yeah. You know, is that... His conversation is is just as important as his blade in that scene. Yeah. Every single moment of that. And it's those kinds of scenes that again impact the story and have it move forward. Exactly. I mean, think think of think of his fencing match with Wesley. Mm-hmm. Would that would that scene have been as good or as impactful if they were silent through it? No. No, it wouldn't have meant anything. But the fact that they're all like, "Oh, I see you're using Capitello." Capitello. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it thought it fitting. You know, given the the rocky terrain. You know, oh, yes. he's, he's, that's very good. Unless your opponent has studied his Agrippa, which yes. I have. <laughs> um, I love all that. Yeah, I mean, just just great, absolutely great. And you can have that in your games too if you allow for it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's any problem with those ever. All right. I think that more or less exhausts Let's, let's my wrap list. all of those lines, just so in case people are taking notes. Yeah, that was because that was a lot. It was a lot, and we, we broke down a lot. So a combat scene, it should tell a story, make narrative sense, there should be a goal, check your pacing for the fight, and maybe add a speech round. Mm-hmm. And that's so that you, all those pieces are good ideas yes. to keep things narrative within your story. Absolutely. All right. Another new listener threw a question in our Discord. Thank you very much, Philly fan. Philly fan. Uh, okay. That's so, just fun to say. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so Philly fan asks, uh, in Delta Green, there's a mechanical as well as a narrative, excuse me, uh, as well as narrative drawbacks to getting in a fight. I just started playing Delta Green after running my uh, f- fifth edition campaign where we were narrative but not mechanical consequences with the same group of people, and I felt that everyone treats combat with more weight and importance now that it has some quote-unquote teeth. I like that. Do you think combat needs to have both narrative and mechanical effect in order for the players to engage with it narratively instead of numerically? 
Need is doing a lot of heavy lifting in that question. I agree. I agree. I'll speak to it in a couple things. If the setting dictates it, like Delta Green, mm-hmm. um, I'll I'll come at it from a different angle. Seventh C, death is not something that happens. Like you you don't go into a a, a combat in in seventh in the seventh C world and expect to murder people. You're not doing that. You'll injure people. You'll 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 knock them out. You'll they might run away. Like that's what heroes do, and and even villains to a degree. Nobody murders. That's why I played an anti-hero. You did. But, and the point of it is, is that that causes reputational damage mm-hmm. when you do those types of things versus being the honorable person. So that sets the difference between a hero and a villain. And those types of games definitely set that as a currency with them. And that should be carried as a way to help those narratives. I think, I'm not certain how Delta Green sees it. But some games even consider combat to be stressful, and therefore it adds stress every time you do combat. Oh, yeah. I think it was Alien RPG or something. It's like the moment combat kicks off, everybody gains one stress. Well, I think it started with if you see an alien, you immediately gain stress. Yeah. If you know there's an alien near you because it's gone off on a meter, you have a chance to gain stress. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Call of Cthulhu has a very similar mechanic Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, you, you glimpsed a mythos creature. Time to lose sanity. Yeah. So those types of costs can add weight to combat because it's setting appropriate. Mm -hmm. And it keeps your players in the setting. But having that mechanic cause narrative weight can sometimes feel like a bad currency. It It can put too much of a mechanic on the narrative. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess it entirely depends on the weight of the disincentive. I, I agree. Um, like, did humanity mean anything in Vampire the Masquerade? Usually not. Exactly. Usually it didn't not. have the same weight. Mm-hmm. So that then that's where I'm saying like mechanics can't don't always pay off, and sometimes it comes down to the table, because I, we didn't really even recognize humanity as as a stat even in the games that I played except for when it became necessary as a stat mm-hmm. because as players we knew diablerie was evil and would cause torment to your soul right right you know and those who did it should be questioned and watched because they could turn to to de- basically demons at any time and that whole concept was carried role playing we didn't need a mechanic behind it we were doing more weight than the mechanic ever could <laughs> but not every table is that way. Not every story is that way. Some tables are like Diablery is delicious, and then Asimite is a juice box. <laughs> I nearly spit my tea. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I don't look. I don't think it. I don't think it needs to 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 lean back on the the phrasing of your question. I don't mm-hmm. think it needs to have both narrative and mechanical effect. Um, I don't. I don't think anything needs to have an effect. Mm-mm. Purely, like I don't think I don't think you ever need a mechanical effect out of anything. Um, I dare say, mecha- uh, narrative effects are probably more consequential. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a lot of people always reach for the mechanical effect. They want it to have like, oh well, you know, it it hurts you in some numerical way so that you you can quantify the harm that it does to you. But like. Try reaching for things like, if you do this, you will be exiled as punishment. If you do this, you will never work in this town again. If you do this, then Don Corleone's men, you know, will we'll never, like, you'll escalate the conflict with him. Yeah. And I, you'll be a marked man. I agree you know? with those. I think those are all good examples, but, like, I'm also thinking to the fact of, like, the one ring kind of uh, travel mechanics were like, okay, you're going to go in. If you decide to make, take this combat, you're going to expend a die worth of resources. Mm -hmm. So your, your D 12 die of resources now becomes a D 10 automatically. Like not you as if you used it. Yeah, sure. So in that you're, you only have so much resources before you have to make it back. Otherwise you're suffering or losing other things. So I think in some cases where you have, where you where where resources are necessary to cause a strain or or some kind of a mechanical effect helps with 
identifying for some players because we do have mechanical players. No, 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 no. In, in, in you're 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 absolutely correct about that. I think my my only point is is that um, a lot of times as storytellers we get we fall into that trap of thinking that the only consequence that we have to met out is shoving our, our, our characters closer to death. Yeah, changing the paper. Right, like, how do we make things... If you do this, it will make things more dangerous and you might die. Yeah. Okay, that's not... Like, I don't want to kill... I don't want to kill my characters. Right. You know, so shoving them closer to death and making things more lethal for them isn't necessarily the thing that I want to do. I want, personally, I want my players... Sorry, my characters to live with their mistakes. Right rather than be killed by them because that's a lesson they don't get to carry. Yeah. That's nothing that, pro- that 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 doesn't progress the story that ends it. Yeah. But like again my my thought of that would be something like we're a bunch of, you know, we're out on the sea, we're chasing down the thing, we're taking out one of the other ships. You have a choice. You can attack their ship and try and get their stuff, but by doing so you run the risk of losing resources and you may have to turn to a port mm-hmm. and lose lose the catch-up that you have. They're going to make it there before you. Yeah. Or they're going to get away. Yeah. And you have to live with that consequence that when you get to the next port that you're supposed to be catching them at, that they've already got a ground a foothold. Their men are all over the island yep. searching for the thing that you were looking for. Yep. So, and it, it could have been easy. It could have been easy, but you had to... You, you had, had to fight. You had to fight. You, yep. You made the decision to fight. So, uh, yeah. So that's... I, that, that's where I'm at with that Philly fan. I hope that kind of helps... From both directions, both talking about how mechanics can uh, mechanics can weigh at the right points, but at the same time, narrative weight has its own meaning. Yeah, when it's appropriate, yeah. and, and I think sometimes more of a weight. Yeah, and, and I, I think I I think if you've got the option, go for the narrative instead of the mechanical. Yeah, um, it just just my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but there I, are players who are going to need it. There there are players who are going to need the mechanical disincentives or or consequences, I suppose, not disincentives, the, the consequences. Well, I think it all depends on how they're playing the game. Sure. So sure. I mean, we know people who who definitely in our gaming youth were very mechanical mm-hmm. because they came from classic OSR learning. Yeah, absolutely. And so mechanics are where their brain starts. And if you can show them the resource loss and then explain that through a narrative out, you know, view, mm-hmm. it it makes sense. Yeah. Now, now there's a weight to them. And eventually that rule system can get peeled away till they just feel the narrative weight. And, and, and there, are, there are some people who are not into the narrative of the story enough to care about narrative consequences correct you know you'll have those people who are just kind of leaning murder hobo and mm-hmm. you're like oh if you do that you'll be a pariah in the city and they'll be like okay whatever cool i kill him anyways and i take his stuff i mean i'll, I'll be a pariah but i'll be 500 gold richer you know? that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so... and this guy will be dead right yeah. and this guy will be dead right right so um yeah some, sometimes you do you do need the mechanics to back it up but i would say try narrative first yeah there's yeah. a lot of really creative stuff you can do with narrative yeah, especially when it's part of the mechanics. And and I think I think there's an importance to being the first follower there, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, very much of, so. Of 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 make sure that you kind of explain the narrative consequence to them, explain what the lay of the land is and whatnot, mm-hmm. and make them think about it. And then you've you've kind of set that precedent that narrative consequence is a thing that you are intending on following up with mm-hmm. and and then do it. Yeah. You know? Um, show them the narrative narrative consequences and have some teeth with it. Yeah. And don't always go to the snappy kind of thing that we always think of as like, oh, you killed a guy. So now the guards are putting up signs because you're a murderer in town. Yeah, sure. And they're, you know, you're wanted for murder. You don't always have to lean that direction. You could also just have like the Assassin's Guild show up and be like, hey, we, uh, we heard you did some good work. Someone slips a note into his pocket with just a, red, a black handprint that says, we know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's simple. Like, and then it's always like, hey, we saw that you did some work. Now, that's one. This is our job in town. Don't, right. Don't step on our toes. Have a contract next time. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then if they do it again, they're like, okay, that's two. You don't get a third strike. I'm surprised you get a second. Yeah. We're taking a cut. And you better go take your consequences with the, the mm-hmm. magistrate. This time we take a cut m- m- monetarily. Next time we take a cut physically. physically. And you don't want us to take that cut because they're way more dangerous than the guard. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. We good? Yeah, I think I feel pretty good about this. Yeah, I, I hope everybody else kind of kind of got through it. We were, we didn't want this show to get too long. Look so. at us. Nailing it. 
Nailing it. it. All right. Next week's topic. MacGuffins. It's a 202. It's a 202. So we're talking about MacGuffins. Now, not everybody knows what a MacGuffin is. Uh, and in fact, I dare say there's some story writers who don't know what MacGuffins are, but, um, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, it is the object of importance that sits at the center of a story. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is the one ring. It is the thing that, you know, the football that everybody's fighting over. The Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, exactly. That's in the name. That's, <laughs> like, that's the name of the story. <laughs> um, and so, uh, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, MacGuffins, what they are, how to utilize them, how to move them around in the story to do fun stuff with mm-hmm. them, uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. We'd love to hear from you there. Uh, Shoot us some questions. Join the great discussion with the other storytellers there. Uh, You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who support us every single month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, Hulu, and Sean. We truly appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at patreon.com slash arcane anthems or on Instagram at arcane anthems or YouTube music at arcane anthems. Our intro music is by Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find them at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Meteor Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting Thank us. Thank you. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over these years to give you these great stories to share with you and you. Every single one of our listeners, we love you guys so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good night. <laughs>